you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Quick announcements. There, there's not really that much to announce, to be honest. I am just, you know, I like to, for those of you who come listen to the show every week, I like to just say something so that you know I'm here with you week in, week out. This is real stuff. It's, it, you know, it's almost like a radio show where you're, you're getting the real deal. And so uh, here's what's going on in my world right now. I'm in the UK. I'm in my in-laws house in the UK in Yorkshire in Wakefield having a grand old time. We went to London last week, spent several days there, went to some amazing bookshops, probably had the best sandwich of my life. It was an Israeli breakfast Reuben pastrami with, it was a weird, it was an amazing sandwich and I'll probably be dreaming about it for the rest of my life. Uh, So (laughs) that's what I'm doing. Getting a lot of rest. Uh, got a little bit of uh, some allergies going on with the hay fever, as the Brits call it. We call it allergies. They call it hay fever, spring hay fever. Got a little bit of that jazz going on, but not too bad. It's not keeping me down. Uh, it sounds like I'm trying to convince myself that I'm not kept down by it. Like, it's not keeping me down, though. I'm keeping strong. Uh, so I'm in England. That's what I'm doing. Big shout out 
to uh, all, and actually, just so you know, in England, I'll be at LCAF at least one of the days in London at the end of the month. Um, I think there's still tickets. It's the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th of June. LCAF, E-L-C-A-F. It's a London Comics Festival. I went a few years ago. It was one of my favorite uh, conferences, festivals, whatever, whatever you want to call it, that I've ever been to. So much good illustration and good stuff. Um, loved it. So anyway, I'll be there. You might be able to meet meet up if you're in London. Um, and uh, also, massive thanks to you guys, everybody who reached out over the past two episodes. Um, we've done two episodes where I'm I've been kind of sharing vulnerability stuff that I've struggled with recently, and a lot of you reached out, you know, way more than usual um, to say that it. Uh, came to you in a time where you really needed it. I hope that this episode kind of puts a cap on that trend uh, uh, and we'll kind of switch gears, but this is kind of the last one in this vein. We're going to be talking about failure. I have tons of experience with failure and I'm glad I do. And this episode's about that. So we're going to talk about failure. We're going to talk about why it's so amazing, why we, why failure is so great, and how to use failure tactically. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you a tactic um, that I think is a game changer. It's something you can turn this episode off and do that can actually make a difference in your career today in the real deal way. Anyway, let's get into the episode. All right, here we are. So I think that we need to change the name failure to something else. I'm going to tell you what I think we should change it to, even though it's not going to happen. We're never going to, <laughs> we're never going to stop avoiding failure completely or uh, ever completely change our minds on how we see it because it's just too stinking painful. But I think failure needs a complete rebrand. We need to think about it completely differently. And I think changing the English word for failure is a good start. And I'm going to tell you what I think we should change the word to in a minute. Uh, and, And here's why I think this is a massive, massive deal breaker for your creative career. How you see failure determines how you approach it. It determines the risks you're willing to take. If you see failure as uh, the end of your creative career, if you see it as a thing to be avoided at all costs, you are not going to take the risks necessary to build a thriving creative career because in my experience, failure is the building blocks to a thriving creative career. It is the raw material necessary to get where you want to go. And so if you avoid failure at all costs, you will not have what you need to build the career that you want. Okay, let me tell you a little story real quick that I think illustrates this point. I want you to imagine an ancient man. He's part of a tribe in the jungle. And on one hunting expedition, he gets lost and he can't find his tribe for days. He relies on his tribe for everything and therefore he's in big trouble. And after days of searching, he's now starving and desperate for food. Right when he can't take any more, he comes upon a river abundant with fish swimming downstream. Now he can't swim and... 
Their tribe doesn't know about fishing yet. That's They're not a fishing tribe. They don't have that in their, their tool belt as of yet. But he sees something that gives him an idea. He notices that debris from the current is getting washed up on a certain part on the shore. And he figures out that if he throws a rock, kills a fish or knocks it unconscious or something brutal like that, come on, this is the old days. Like the, you're just gonna have to deal with the, the, the gruesome painting that I'm, the gruesome picture that I'm painting. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's not that gruesome, I know. All right, he thinks he can smack one of these fish with a massive rock and it'll catch that current and wash up on shore and boom, he's got some dinner. So he gets started. He throws a massive rock, launching it nearly to the other side of the river, smacks a fish right in the head. The fish floats to the top and it doesn't catch the current and it keeps going. Dang it. He's like, all right, I think I've got a throw the rock a little bit closer to the middle. So he finds another massive rock and he's super tired. He can barely lift it and he launches it into the river and it hits the middle, smacks another fish. The fish floats to the top and misses the current again. And he's like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Ah, okay. Maybe I can just do one more. And if I throw it a little bit closer to my edge of the river, that might just do it. So he goes and finds another massive rock. He launches it in, smack, but he doesn't hit a fish. And with the last bit of strength, he cries out into the air, ah! but oh no, something else joins his cry, something louder something meaner. He turns around and he realizes he's face to face with a jungle cat roaring alongside him, ready to pounce and eat him alive. Crushed from his failure and exhausted to the point of giving up, he falls to his knees and surrender to the beast. But then a voice in his head says, no, you're not done. You think you've failed, but you've just put all of the pieces into place for your ultimate success. You see, those three failed fishing attempts were a complete success in a totally different way. A successful escape. He leaps on to the, the rocks that he just thrown. These fishing rocks have become stepping stones to success a stone path that he unknowingly created. And the jungle cat leaps after him, slips and falls to its death and washes up on the other side of the shore. And guess what? Our jungle hero had the biggest feast of his life. A jungle cat stew. Come on, do you hear what I'm saying? In my experience, this is what building a thriving creative career is really like. There have been so many times, you know, I wanted a wild, wildly successful Kickstarter. I wanted a viral personal project. I wanted to publish a book. I wanted to gain a specific client and then totally and utterly failed. But looking back, I can see that 
all of those failures gave me pieces that acted as stepping stones to get where I ultimately wanted to go, even though in the moment it just felt like failure. So today's episode is about rebranding failure. We're gonna, let's rename it. We're gonna call it, instead of calling it failure, let's call it stepping stones to success. And next time you hear someone use failure in a sentence, say, wait a second. That, I think you mean stepping stones to success. Am I right? Who's with me? Who's heard 185, a creative pep talk? Come on. Seriously, don't do that though, because everyone will hate you and they'll hate the show. You know, don't, you don't want to pull a Gretchen from <laughs> Mean Girls trying to make fetch happen. No, we don't actually want to start calling failure by another name because we don't want to be that strange and we don't want to spread a bad reputation about creative pep talk. Just for the purposes of this episode, are we going to rename failure as ste stepping stones to success? All right, let's do it. Here's what we're going to do. In this episode, we're going to start by explaining the three ways that failure can be a stepping stone to your success. Then I'm gonna share a failure tactic where you can actively try to fail uh, in such a way that it might unlock some serious success and you can fail at failure. What, I know that doesn't make any sense, but it will make sense, just stick with me. This process, this tactic, I have used this year to some freaking crazy stuff that I'm jazzed out of my tank top about. And uh, <laughs> I think you're going to be excited about it. Then we'll wrap it all up. All right, let's do it. Let's get ready. Are you ready? I want to hear you say, I'm ready like SpongeBob. Even if you just say it quietly. Say it really quietly. Even if you're on the subway. It'll make me really happy to know. And then tell me on Twitter or something that you actually said, I'm ready. You don't have to do that. I'm sorry. I hate when people make people shout things, even in like talks and stuff. But anyway. All right. So we've got these failure stepping stones that we're going to work through. We're going to get our failure gauntlet as if we are Thanos, but we're not collecting infinity stones, we're collecting failure stepping stones. And the first failure stepping stone is the learning stone. Now, everyone knows that you can learn things when you fail, clearly, we all know that, it's very cliche. But I wanna bring this cliche to life and make it real to you so that, um, so that you become better friends with your failure. And I think that failure is not just a teacher. I think it is the ultimate teacher, the best teacher. Like, I don't think pleasure is a very good teacher. I don't even think uh, success is a great teacher. Like, no, I don't think anybody sat around like saying, you know, my, the, you know when my life completely changed? When I had that super really great time. I had such a good time, I learned this lesson and my life was even better after that. No, nobody says that. Uh, and, and here's why I think that is. I think that failure, I, I think pleasure or reading things in a book or whatever, uh, they're all good ways of like, maybe you learn something, but they're usually, you know, just lessons that you learn in your head. Whereas failure teaches you a lesson that goes into your heart 
it goes into your gut. When you feel the failure, when you feel the lesson, it's kind of like on uh, that Pixar's Inside Out where a core memory is made around this lesson. It becomes deep within your DNA. It, it becomes inescapable. It becomes second nature. Those kind of lessons are the ones that form you and they're built from failing. So I want to give you two examples of how this has played out in my life. And both of these things are things that I know for a fact that you've heard me harp on about on the podcast a bajillion zillion times. And so, uh, and the reason why is because they are core memories of mine. They are second nature. They are, they are stepping stones that I have built my creative career on. So the first one, first lesson I'll just say I learned from failure was uh, make what you'd want to receive, not what you feel like making. You've probably heard me say that before, you know, this idea that you're probably not going to make the best t-shirt if you just make the t-shirt you feel like making. But if you make the t-shirt you feel like wearing, you might actually be onto something. And it's like scratching your own itch, as entrepreneurs would say. And here's how I learned that. When I first graduated college, uh, me and my buddy were making this zine and we made three issues of it. The first two issues were really us making the zine that we would want to buy. But the second issue was so popular and it went so well that we kind of lost sight of what we were doing and we got we forgot that we were making a zine and we ended up making music and all kinds of crazy stuff for it. And it was really just got out of hand and just started making whatever we felt like making. We got completely and utterly self-indulgent on it. And the third issue crashed and burned and it ultimately destroyed the collaboration. And when we were debriefing, we kind of realized that we wouldn't have bought that third issue. Like if we had seen that zine out in the store, we wouldn't have been interested. We would have been disillusioned by how self-indulgent and ridiculous it was. And that's why things went wrong. And I learned that lesson the hard way. We had collab we had had so much momentum. We had invested all this time and money into this project. And ultimately it crashed and burned. Something that was really good kind of went sour. And that's how I learned that you should you know, design the mural that you would like to encounter on the street, not just whatever you feel like drawing that day. Design the editorial illustration that would blow your mind if you saw it in a magazine, not just whatever you feel like making. Like there's a real difference. It's kind of, um, to me, it's kind of the difference between design and just uh, fine art. I think fine art is a lot more about just whatever you're going to do, whereas design is approaching the problem and doing the appropriate solution to that problem. And so I learned that one from failing, from our failed zine, issue three, rest in peace, uh, <laughs> issue three. All right, the other one that I learned was start with an authentic desire. And I learned this one the hard day. Hard day, I learned this the hard day. That was a hard day that I learned that thing. I meant the hard way. And the hard way was I did this project where I was doing new, uh, new covers for classic books, new for classic novels. And I was going to do 10 of them. I was going to illustrate 10 new book covers for classic novels. And I only got to about five of them. And here's why. I freaking hate reading classic novels. 
It was a completely inauthentic project. It started from a place of strategy instead of a place of passion. It started in a place of, wouldn't it be great or wouldn't it help my career or wouldn't it be a good way to earn money to make book covers for novels? And that was the complete driver of that project. But the problem was it wasn't from a place of passion. It wasn't something that was going to get me out of bed in the morning. And so I gave up. And if I would have even got those jobs, eventually I wouldn't be into it because I didn't, I don't read that much fiction. And since I failed at that project, I've realized that strategy is a great thing to have in projects. We're going to do a whole series about strategic side projects that I am completely freaking excited out of my mind. I just let the cat out of the bag. It's coming, it's coming soon, but, but, uh, I, and I am hardcore, as you know, about adding strategy, strategic levels to your personal projects. But ultimately, I believe that the build, the first thing you've got to build your personal projects on is passion. And I always use that same metric that I learned from doing this project. And I, and I say to myself, is this a project that I'm so passionate about that I'm more passionate about it than I am passionate about sleep? And I'm passionate about sleep. When it's nighttime, I love to sleep. I don't love getting out of bed. I love sleep just like you probably do. And I know that if I'm going to be doing a passion project, I might have to sacrifice an hour in the morning before work or I might have to sacrifice an hour at night or whatever. And it's got to be something that just gets me white hot excited about making cool stuff. And if it doesn't, then it's coming from an inauthentic place and it's not worth pursuing. And that thing, I don't even have to remind myself when I'm starting a new project. I feel it on a gut level because failure taught me in my gut that lesson. And so, man, I got too excited about failure. <laughs> Are you excited about failure? Failure? Come on, guys, let's get, aren't you jazzed? Don't you just go out there and fail? Let's do it. Let's learn some lessons. The first failure stone in your failure gauntlet is the learning stone. Let's move on to the next one. One of the trickiest things about building a thriving creative career is figuring out how to stand out in your market. Like it's really noisy on the internet. It's really noisy in almost every industry. And one of the key factors to thriving in your creative career is, it, is an ability to get attention, to break free, to, to, to stand out somehow. And you do this by building a niche, building your own niche within your market, carving out your own place where you can really shine and, and stand out. And it's a really hard thing to do. Um, you know, in this postmodern world where everything feels like it's been done, right? I'm sure that that has been a struggle for you. And I believe that one of the keys to standing out is our second stepping stone, the niche failure stone. The niche failure stone <laughs> has a really nice ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, what makes you a unique musician in your genre? What makes you your, your science fiction stories different from the rest? What is your secret sauce? 
And by the way, while we're on the subject of secret sauce, I just want to do a little sidebar right now about secret sauce because I'm sick of it. We know what's in the freaking secret sauce. Every secret sauce is essentially the same dang thing. It's ketchup and mayo, plus maybe one or two other little tweaks. But we get it, Steak and Shake. We know it's in your Frisco sauce. We know what's, what the secret sauce is at Raising Cane's. We know what's on the Big Mac. We, we know it. It's ketchup and mayo. Some kind of combination of that. Maybe you add a, you know, but we add relish to ours. That's why it's super secret. No, we know what secret sauces. It's not secret anymore. It's just sauce. <laughs> and, but you got to ask yourself, what is the ketchup to your mayo? And I think failure is a, I think failure is the ketchup to your mayo. <laughs> Get it? All right. We can move on to the next point. Well, let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, <laughs> think of your current pursuit, the thing that you're focusing on now, as your ketchup and your mayo are is past failures that you can integrate into your current pathway. You know, I talk with so many creative people and they'll say, I'm a licensed, licensed architect, but I really want to be a painter or I'm a doctor, but I want to make picture books. And, uh, and I'm like, come on, you don't start at the beginning of the line in the picture book line when you're a doctor. You go out there and you make a picture book that only a doctor could make. You make paintings that only an architect could make. Think about it. Does that make sense to you? Like you don't start from square run, squ square run, square one. <sighs> I'll explain to you exactly how I, I did this in my own failed way. Uh, when I, about four years ago, is when I started getting into public speaking and it was before I'd ever done the creative pep talk podcast and I was a full-time illustrator. You know, I was just getting into this really great place in my illustration career. And at that time I did a little talk in my hometown and it went so well that I was like, I think I want to be a full-time public speaker and forget about illustration. But my wife was like, uh, you've got three kids. You can forget it while well, we had two kids at the time, but even so you're not going to start a completely new career. She didn't say that. I had the wisdom in my mind enough to know that it was very unwise to start a completely different career when I was the uh, when I was providing for my family at that time, and and I just you know had about two years under my belt of of a good illustration career. And so what I did was instead of just quitting illustration and focusing on public speaking, I combined that ketchup and mayo into a secret sauce known as the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. And so what, what can you do? What, were, what, what are things from your past? You know, years that you spent studying the wrong major, you know, years that you spent focusing on a different area or a different skill or some kind of failed endeavor that you ultimately said, oh, that's just, um, that's, that was just wasted time. That was a failure. What I really want to do is this new thing. How can you use those failures to create a secret sauce, to create a niche, if you will? And it's my opinion that nothing has to be wasted in your story and everything can have a purpose and even your failures can be the thing that makes you stand out from the rest. 
You know, maybe you have a history in film. It doesn't even have to be, you don't even have to be a licensed architect. For me, uh, another, you know, let's say my ketchup was illustration and my mayo was uh, public speaking. Well, you know, my relish, if you will, to just elevate it another layer was my failed rap career. So some of you know, now none of you I don't think have heard any of my rap before, and I'm gonna change that, unfortunately, real quick. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, when I was in college, um, there wasn't, I don't know, there wasn't a lot of indie rap that I was aware of, and so I thought it was my responsibility to, to fix that massive problem and I started making indie rap music. Uh, and I just started tinkering around with GarageBand and recording and audio stuff. And ultimately it led to nothing, nothing interesting whatsoever really. Um, but what it did do, it gave me a, a novice level of knowledge about audio and recording and mixing enough to where I could Dun, da, da, start my own podcast. And that's why it wasn't that intimidating when I decided to do that. That was my relish. So you don't even have, you can just be a terrible rapper and that can be part of the, can be one of your failures that adds to your secret sauce. And so in this next transition, I won't make you listen to it long, but some of you might uh, get a kick at out of laughing at my rap career. Um, this next segment is a little bit of my rap game. Here it comes. And then we'll go on to number three. All right, our third and final stone to complete our failure gauntlet. You see, on Creative Pep Talk, I like to make it ridiculously out, just, I like to mix metaphors. It's, it's a terrible idea, but it's just a thing that I enjoy. So we've got the jungle guy getting across the river on his failure stepping stones to success, and then we've got Thanos with the failure gauntlet. It's all, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't have anybody to stop me. That's the thing is that I'm allowed to do whatever I want because it's my podcast. So you can just shut up or listen because we're talking about the failure gauntlet. The third and final stone to complete your failure gauntlet is the sleeper stone. The sleeper stone, what do I mean? I mean something that seems like a failure when it happens, but then with time, it becomes a success. Now, the Stoics said that their philosophy was that you should not be quick to judge something as a failure or a bad or good thing when it happens. You should wait for a long time to see if it ends up being a good thing or a bad thing because uh, it's really, really hard to know. And you, you just don't have the wisdom or the foresight to really know what's gonna be good and what's gonna be bad. And so we are often quick to call something a failure that looks like an obvious failure when it turns out to be the thing that saves us. It turns out to be the thing that takes us where we ultimately want to go. On the podcast, Philosophize This, Stephen West says, many lives have been made by losing a job and many lives have been ruined by winning the lottery. 
So what seems like a failure may really turn out to be a success with time. That's what a sleeper stone is. That's a sleeper failure. Something that seems like a failure ends up being a success. I think this happens all the time. One of the reasons, it, there's a billion different examples of how this can play out, but one of the things that happens is I think a lot of creatives are ahead of their time. Like if you're a creative, you're probably deeply invested in culture in a way that you know, mainstream people don't even have the time to pay attention to culture on that level. Like they just don't, that they just can't concern themselves with the, with culture in the same way that creative people love to. And so one of the things that happens is you're often ahead of your time. Like I, one of the things that happens to me and it probably happens to you if you're in the client world is you'll make this new style, this new exciting arm of your work and everyone's like, nah, I don't know what the heck you're trying to do there. And then three years, every client will want to hire you for that work once you've moved past it right? Like <laughs> I've learned to just be grateful and not complain about it, but it used to really drive me nuts. Um, and now I'm just happy to be working and doing stuff. And, um, you know, I think anyway, I'm not going to go any further down that, but you know what I'm saying. So that happens. Uh, this happened to me recently, actually. So a few years ago, probably about four years ago, maybe three years ago, I started becoming obsessed with this idea of drawing invisible things. You've probably heard me talk about it on the podcast. I see it as my ultimate purpose. I see it as kind of the ultimate purpose of illustration. I believe illustration, the definition of good illustration, should be uh, making something concrete that was abstract. Making something, you know, an idea or a notion or a story, something that's kind of hard to picture and then actually picturing it for us. Uh, that's what good illustration does. That's why we need illustration because, you know, our brains are like largely visual. Like we, the things that seem most real and important to us are the things that we can see. And yet the things that we can't see are probably the actual most important things to us. You know, things like love, our feelings, our ideas, like these things are the things that make the world go around, but we can't see them and that's where illustration comes in by illuminating, illustrating invisible things, drawing invisible things. I also like it because drawing something you can't see sounds kind of like an oxymoron, so it's just a, a weird idea. But I got obsessed with this idea and uh, I came up with a bunch of characters that were essentially uh, personifying things you can't see. So I had a character, she was a whisper. I wrote a story about that. I created a, a whole bunch of them. Another one that I created was a dream. It was a character that was a dream. And uh, here's what I did. I wrote this kid's book and I actually wrote a billion versions of it to try to make it better and better and better. Uh, and it was called The Dream That Stayed for Breakfast. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't have any idea how freaking excited I am just to tell you about it because I've been sitting on it for so long and I still hope to make it one day. I really love it. I really believe in it. It's this idea of a dream, you know, a little dream character that visits you in the night because that's when you have dreams. Uh, but this dream stays for breakfast, stays after you wake up and all kinds of shenanigans ensue when you spend your day with your dream. Uh, and so that's what I came up with. I shopped it to a bunch of publishers. Nobody was really interested. And then also for years, I feel like I would talk about, you know, in all my talks, I show my whisper character um, and some people like it kind of, I don't know. I've never really, 
I don't ever, I've never felt like people understood what I meant by drawing in invisible things, but I was so stoked about it that I never shut up about it. And then a, about a week ago, I wanted to get some closure. And I was like, you know what? I'm so passionate about this invisible things thing that I'm going to just draw all of my invisible thing characters on one piece, one in one piece, one image, and I'm going to post it to Instagram and Twitter and whatever, and just get it out there because I need to get it out of my heart and out of my brain and onto the page. And maybe I can just move on because no one's going to freaking care about it. And uh, so that was this kind of failure, really, um, and kind of the end of a, a chapter because this thing that I thought was my best thing I ever made up, um, nobody was really that interested in it. A few days ago, I posted it to Twitter and I posted it to Instagram and, you know, hoping to just kind of move on. And it was a sleeper success. It was a sleeper failure stone because it became my most uh, successful tweet most successful Instagram post. I'm almost getting choked up about it because I love these little characters so much. It's so ridiculous. But I, and I never saw it coming in a million years. I tweeted that tweet. And just to give you some context, my, my most popular tweet at the time, I think probably had like a thousand likes. This invisible things picture, that tweet has almost 60,000 likes. Uh, I'm not good at math, but I think that's like 60 times my my, my second most popular tweet, uh, and it's still growing. And I put it on Instagram, and just to feel like it wasn't a fluke, it also almost, it definitely doubled, maybe even almost tripled my top Instagram post on there. And it gives me so much joy because I'm so freaking passionate about it. And it was something that I thought nobody cared about. It made me think I'm such a weirdo to be obsessed with this idea that nobody else gets or really likes. And it's just been, you know, I don't want to put all my value and excitement into going viral. You know, I'm not about that. And, I, and it might not actually turn out to be anything significant, but it's significant to me. And what I used to deem as a failure is now success. And so, like the Stoics, are there things that you've wrote off as failures that might turn into tomorrow's success? The point is you don't know. And when something hits you, when, a, when something seems like a total failure in the back of your mind, you say, hey, I don't know. Yeah, I just lost my job. Could be the turning point to success in my life. And uh, I think that the Stokes were really onto something there. All right, so, you know, I try to always remember to involve real practical tactics, things that you could turn off the podcast and instantly do and see real results with, not just change your perspective. Um, I try to bring that stuff as many times as I can, as, as much uh, every week in, week out as I can. And this tactic is legit. Uh, and I'm super stoked to, to share it with you. And it's a, ta- it's a tactical way to embrace 
failure and actually see success come from it. So <clears throat> I heard about this practical tactic. It's something that I actually literally, I'm not just saying that I, oh yeah, I was already doing that. I literally already did it, but this person beat me to putting it into words and put it into words in a way that I never would have and crushed me at that. And I'm happy to celebrate her for it. <clears throat> Here's what it is. Kiki Schur, S-C-H-I-R-R, if you want to go look her up, I'll put a link in the show notes to the Medium article that she wrote about this. But it's, this thing just started as a tweet, this tactic that she was sharing. And this is what she tweeted. At the beginning of the year, I made an oath to receive 100 reje rejection letters by December 31st. So I started applying for tons of out-of-my-league opportunities. But at this rate, I won't be able to achieve my goal because many of the responses are acceptances. Take more chances. This illustrates my point so perfectly, and it's such a great way to put these ideas into practice. <clears throat> the tweet went viral. She turned it to a medium post, as you do. And, uh, and actually, I'd done the same thing at the end of 2017 when I was telling you guys about the one thing that I wanted to do, the one goal that I had in 2018. Back, back then in December, I told you, that I decided that the one thing I was going to focus on was doubling the listenership of the podcast and I was going to do whatever I could to make that happen. And I decided that what I would do is make a list of 100 podcasts that I could guest on uh, because I, I've found that that's the way that um, impacts the listenership the most. And I figured I'm going to make a list of 100 and my goal is just to write to all 100 and ask to be a guest on their show thinking that it's basically going to be a list of 98 failures, but just by through sheer brute force and risk taking and chances, something might come of it. And it'll be the, you know, it's the thing that I have in my power to make some waves, right? And so I made a list. I started with 15 and I thought, you know, I'll come up with 15, I'll write them and then I'll do the next. And so I wrote to 15 podcasts that I thought I'd be great for. I didn't think really any of them would say yes. I think about uh, really quickly, I think even before 2018 started, I had recorded three or four guest spots for those 15 shows. I had like a, a fifth or a fourth of the ones that I applied for, I got. And within like a month or two months, and this is crazy, and I'm not saying it's gonna happen to you, and I bet if I did it again, it wouldn't happen as good as it happened this way, but within like a month and a half of 2018, we went from having 16 to 18,000 listens uh, a, uh, a month to, no, 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 sorry, that's not right, 16 to 18,000 listens a week, we went from that in 2017 to just a month and a half into 2018 to from 16 to 18,000 a month to 32,000 to 36,000 lessons a month. This tactic of active failing on a massive scale, purposefully trying to go for failure, totally and utterly crushed my goal. And the same thing happened for Kiki. And I think that 
this is a tactic that works. Go try it out. You know, my next version of it, I don't know if I'm actually going to get to doing this, but I had an idea of like an active way to fail, a way that is surefire and going to get me to fail is I thought about doing an <clears throat> open mic stand-up with zero plan, zero jokes written for it. I know for a fact it's going to end in a terrible time, a super uncomfortable time, but after it's all said and done, guess what? I'll still be here. And I'm sure that I'll come away with another stepping stone to success. So I hope I've convinced you that sometimes what seems like the worst thing that can happen to you ends up being the best thing. That sometimes what seems to be an obstacle ends up being a stepping stone. This has been true in my creative career time and time again, and it's also been true in my personal life. I've spoke tons on this podcast about my troubled relationship with my mom, and mainly because she is where I get the creative spark from, and uh, I watched her life really unfold into a big tragedy, Um, and I think part of it is from really missing her creative calling. I don't think that's all of it, but I think it's definitely part of it. And uh, I tell these stories because it's because of that, but also because it's just shaped my life in such a massive way. When I was young, I used to think that it was shaping my life for bad, really, really, really bad. I thought all this stuff that was happening with my mom was kind of ruining my life. And uh, <clears throat> I remember in first grade dare officers come into class and telling us the horror stories of smoking cigarettes, Uh, you know, brutal stories, maybe even been pictures of, you know, wrecked lungs and that basically if you smoke, you will die. Well, my mom was a heavy smoker. And so essentially adults came into my classroom and told this eight-year-old to his face, your mom is going to die. Your mom is killing herself with these cigarettes. And it was super traumatic. And I remember going the next time I saw my mom on a weekend that she had us, I begged her to quit. I hid her cigarettes and I was just totally uh, destroyed by this fact of having a smoking parent. And I remember in second grade, the year after that, uh, going to my mom's house at some time, visiting her and her showing me all these sketches that she had for this picture book that she was making. And she said that she was already working with a publisher and it was basically a sure thing. And I went uh, back to school on Monday and I was so excited. I think I probably told Miss Stone the first thing. Guys, I I told her, uh, Miss Stone, guess what? Like uh, in reading time soon, we're gonna be able to read my mom's picture book because it's it's going to be coming out soon. And she's like, all right. And I told all of my friends about it. I was so excited and proud. And I think uh, a little bit later, maybe even the next time I saw my mom, I was like, mom, is your picture book almost out? And I don't remember what she said, but I remember it was something like, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. That just forget it. That was not really going to happen or whatever. Um, it's just not going to happen. And I remember uh, you know, when my teacher or my, my friends brought it up later, I remember 
very shamefully just lying about it and be like, yeah, it should be out soon, knowing full well it was never coming out. And uh, ultimately, I watched my mom disappear for most of my teenage years. She started two different families, left both of them, uh, and never fully came back from that disappearance in a way. These experiences uh, wrecked my childhood, and I was convinced that they ruined my life. But... These experiences, these failures on my mom's part, ended up being my stepping stones to success. These worst things that ever happened to me helped me cross over into the best things that I have in my life. You see, uh, I too was an addicted, a heavily addicted smoker in high school and college, and I hated myself for. Uh, not being able to quit, and I tried so many times, and I was smoking about a pack a day. And right out of college, my wife got pregnant with our first baby, and I instantly quit cold turkey, and I haven't smoked a cigarette in over 10 years. You see, the pain of watching my mom smoke, the pain of having a smoking parent, meant that I knew that I would never be that. Watching my mom's unlived dream of being a kid's bookmaker was another stepping stone to success for me. You know, sometimes I think about why am I so driven? Why am I so, you know, sometimes people ask me, why are you so passionate and driven in your creative career? Why do you always push so hard? And what do you, why do you do this stuff? And, how, you know, how have you accomplished those things? you know, the things that you've done. And looking back, I can see that it goes back to these stories with my mom. And uh, I told my kids that I was working on a picture book and I showed them some of the stuff I was working on and told them I was working with the publisher. And uh, they told their teacher and they told their friends and I can tell you one thing, they're never going to have to lie about it because my first major picture book, the first advanced copy just came in the mail this week. And uh, they're going to be bringing that book to their class in the fall. So splash another stepping stone. Watching my mom walk away from my brother and then my other brother and sister and, and uh, to a physically abusive boyfriend and hardcore drugs was really nearly the end of me. In high school, I'd, e I'd even contemplated suicide. But you know what? The pain created an unstoppable resolve in me as a parent. And even when I first, you know, when I was an early parent, I'd had to wake up at four in the morning and take a bus and two tr trains to do a job that I hated to support my kids. And not one time did I think about getting on that train and not coming back. See, watching the, the pain of watching my mom leave two sets of children 
has enabled the deepest joy in my life. You see, sometimes I'll go travel to do some talks here and there. But And leaving to do these talks, it's not the best part of my life. The best part of my life is coming home to see my kids exactly as I promised every time. See, the failure of my mom and leaving her kids, it made the joy of always coming home and knowing what that means and knowing how that's going to impact these kids and the connection and the dedication I feel to my kids is because I know the gravity and the importance of it because I felt the pain of its absence in my life. So here's why I did this episode. I want to serve a really practical... Now, wait, before I go into that, I just want to say, I know I'm talking about my mom. You don't have to tell anybody that that's what this creative podcast is all about. But to me, this is about your life. This is serious. This is real stuff. And I want to share real stuff on this show, even though it's kind of out of the ordinary within our creative industry. I want to put it out on the line because I believe that this stuff matters. So I apologize for getting choked up. I apologize for uh, talking about my mom problems, Uh, but I, I believe that it counts. I believe that it matters. And here's why I did this episode. I want to serve a really practical use in your creative career. When you fail, and you'll know when you fail because it will feel like freaking crap. You will feel sick to your stomach. It's happened to me hundreds of times. When you feel that gut-wrenching agony of risking something new and getting your uh, butt handed to you and you're crushed and your inner tape starts to tell you that you suck and you're never going to win and why do you keep trying and you should never risk things like that ever again. When that jungle cat comes to finish you off, I want a new voice to chime in because of this episode that says, no, you're not done. You think you've failed and you've just put all of the pieces into place for your ultimate success. You've learned something new on a totally deep untouchable level. You have a new experience that will help you stand out from the pack. You are ahead of your time. You are eating jungle cat stew tonight, baby. Yes. Well, that finishes our impromptu series on failure. The past three episodes have kind of had strong feelings of that, even though I didn't really mean it to. I hope that this does uh, really uh, help you uh, change the way. You know, when I have a failure, when something's going wrong, something bad is happening, there is a secret voice in my head that's like, ooh, this could be good. This is where it gets interesting. And I'm not kidding. That's a real thing. Not always can I get to that place, but it's always lingering there in the back of my mind as a comfort. Um, And uh, it, it has been a total game changer for me. And it's helped me actively walk into things that I knew were going to be uncomfortable, things that I knew might not work out. Um, and, uh, and I think that is a deal breaker. So thanks for listening. If you love CPT and it's had an impact on your creative career in any way and you want to give back, you feel compelled to give back, you can review the show on iTunes. That helps me a lot, guys. You can back the podcast financially at patreon.com slash creative pep talk. 
you can get some Creative Pep Talk merch at creativepeptalk.com slash shop. That'll be open on the June, on June 26th. It's closed while I'm in England. Um, you can also access the first 100 episodes of the show and stay up to date when new shows drop by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for providing some other tunes. Thanks to Alex Sugg, uh, another member of the Creative Pep Talk team who edits this podcast so beautifully and also contributes um, fantastic tunes of his own. Um, you make this show sound beautiful, buddy. Thanks to all you guys for listening and all the freaking crazy places you've taken this show and all the, um, you know, I get so many stories all the time of ways that Creative Pep Talk has uh, changed people's creative careers and uh, I couldn't do that without you guys. And so I, I'm super appreciative to you. I hope that the whole, my whole idea is that these shows would be fuel in your creative tank for another week of working your creative path. Another, uh, more rations, more uh, supplies on your creative mission that you would get, you would, you know, come into this week maybe feeling beat down and, and empty and get one of these shows and get the strength to trudge forward in another week and add another brick to that wall, add another stepping stone to your path. Um, and until... You're back in that place next week where you need some more juice. Stay pepped up. <laughs>